0: Listening to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus, and welcome to episode sixty-seven of the Testudo Times podcast. Where here we are still trying to figure out how Maryland is continuing to pull wins out of its figurative ass. Maybe Matt Tuck will help us figure out how that is continuing to happen. Uh, Matt, do you have any explanations? Because we're reaching the point of absurdity now with how often this is happening.
1: Uh, yeah, poor shooting, solid defense, mellow trimble. I think that's pretty much it. The checklist.
0: There's a checklist now for this and how this is working. I mean, there were some against uh, other teams that weren't very good earlier on in the season, that were more questionable than, I guess, this one was. The one I'm referring to, of course, is Oklahoma State. Although for a while it looked like it could be Howard, but it wasn't. Uh, Let's talk about Oklahoma State for a second, even though that was a couple days ago. Rack your brains to try to remember this game. And At the start, it looked like Maryland could get run out of its own gym again not because of the same reasons that they lost to against Pitt, who, by the way, yes, they lost to Duquesne three days later on a neutral court. That is to make you feel bad about yourself, uh, secondarily. This is the kind of game, at against a team that presses, that worried me, because I had some bad flashbacks to that West Virginia tournament game a couple of years ago where Maryland got pressed into oblivion, and they never really found a way to deal with that. And then it started with that against Oklahoma State. They were making crazy baskets at the end of the shot clock they were getting open looks in those situations and i thought okay maryland's not getting away with this again and then somehow they did how in this particular game how did maryland get away with all that they started off with including the ridiculous amount of turnovers in the first half uh
1: i think one of the least talked about things was the effort of Melo trimble defending phil forte uh we, I think one of the very few critiques we have with Melo is usually his defense. Uh, he's, you know, he's not very quick, and and at least over the past two years, he hasn't been able to stay in front of some of the quicker guards. But Melo did an excellent job against Oklahoma State, and and particularly on Forte, running around screens and you know just just getting a hand in to bother his shot because he's he's a really talented shooter who's been there for a while, and Forte shot three for sixteen from the field, which. I don't know how many other times he's done that in his career, or will do that this season. But Melo Trimble was was very good on defense that game, and although he wasn't scoring so well, he got some help from another guy who who also stepped up in the game against Howard, and that's Jalen Brandley. Uh, I think Jalen has played. I mean, Jalen's Jaylen, playing like a starting point guard right now. Um, he's more aggressive than he's been. Um, he's not hesitant to shoot anymore. I mean, he took like six threes, I think, against Howard. And he's attacking the basket again in both games. And I think he's just been so impressive off the bench. Mm -hmm.
0: And this is something that we talked about last year. Brantley, of course, was a freshman, and we saw it very, very briefly when he made those kind of performances. And then they disappeared when you got into conference play and then into the tournament. And that became a problem because Maryland just didn't have the depth for Melo Trimble. And now he can be spelled. And when Brantley was on the floor and Trimble wasn't, the offense still flowed a bit and Brantley was getting those those looks and taking shots and facilitating the offense well how important is he going to be to Maryland's success this season considering a lot of this year they're still a bit mellow trimble dependent
1: yeah he's going to be really important and you know when the, when Mark Turgeon pulled him out of junior college it was you know no, uh, Jalen was known as a scorer and you know he's he's bringing that and he's and he's bringing it on defense too i mean i talked to him a little bit and I think obviously having Anthony Cowan playing ahead of him, especially Anthony being a freshman, but also because Anthony is known as a guy who, who picks up and, and defends you from, from full court at all times. The dude has so much energy, and he just he doesn't get tired. So I think that's rubbing off a little bit on Melo and Jalen. And uh, it, I mean, Jalen's just looked great. Um, he's probably a guy that, that teams didn't even scout against last year because he hardly played, and now... You know, he's racking up 20 plus minutes a game, and and he's been a really solid, you know, contributor. Mm
0: hmm. We're seeing this kind of, not a weird dynamic, I guess you could say, but we're seeing a dynamic in which Maryland's bench options kind of come and go by game. And Brantley wasn't super impressive to start the season. Then he started to play better. Deion Wiley was the same way. I think he had one of his better games against Oklahoma State. Uh, If I can remember correctly, it was five days ago. We're recording this bit Thursday night, in case you're wondering. Uh, And then Maryland in the front court, some days it's Bender, some days it's Tchaikovsky, DeMonte Dodds now injured again, unfortunately. In some games it was him. You know, what are we to make of – Maryland starting five is very, I would say, pretty solid right now. But what are we to make of these kind of the bench options sort of coming and going? There hasn't been that consistent bench option as of yet, of course. There's a lot of time to build that consistency the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I don't think that there ever is going to be a clear – you no know, rotation with this team. You know, the starting four, you never know who the center is going to be. Uh, but that's kind of what makes Maryland this mysterious team that everyone kind of wants to watch who pulls out these close games. I mean, Maryland has talent, just not a whole lot of talent and a, not a whole lot of star talent. Um, they have 10 or 11 guys and what? I mean, Melo Trimble obviously sets himself as number one. And then number two is who the hell knows? Um, and I think it's going to be like that, all, you know, all year. No, there isn't one talent like when Diamondstone came in last year and everyone expected Diamond to be the man, there, there's no one who's expected to be the man. It's Melo Trimble and whichever guys are clicking that sort of night. And, you know, Maryland's been fortunate enough that the freshmen have been incredible. I mean, you know, a couple tough stretches, but besides that, the freshmen have been, you know, better than anyone else expected. And then they get, you know, random, you know, key nights from Jalen Brantley or even Bender or Checo, who's been great. Um, and that's how it's going to be with this team. There's, uh, you know, I, I, be very surprised if Maryland had its clear like sixth and seventh you know men off the bench it's it's just going to be whoever's there that night playing well
0: is that something that alternatively might worry you when you get to play more consistent teams because we'll be honest here Maryland's the best team they played is is what it's probably not Pitt is it Oklahoma State I guess that's the best team they played
1: yeah it's probably Oklahoma State
0: and they scraped by at home against that team. And I don't know where they were picked to finish in the Big Ten preseason. I can obviously look that up, and I probably should. But do do you think, though, as you get into Big Ten play, when there's pretty clearly like four or five teams that are much better than they are, and Maryland, again, a lot of them are at home, but Maryland's going to be going up against a lot of good teams and then a bunch of other teams in the Big Ten that are seemingly on their level. You know, is that lack of a... Consistent rotation. Do you think that can hurt them in those kind of games? And then, when you've got those back-to-backs on the road against maybe lesser opponents, you know, is this a kind of area where Maryland could get hurt?
1: Yeah, um, for sure. I think we know by now that Maryland isn't one of the best teams in the country. I don't know if they'll touch the top twenty-five, you know, again all year. But um, you know, this shouldn't really come as a surprise. Maryland wasn't supposed to be a dominant team. Um, there's really no one to even blame here uh mary turgeon has done such a great job recruiting and this team is supposed to still have robert carter jr and diamond stone it just doesn't because they went pro so uh you know i'm uh, maryland is uh middle of the top of the big 10 team they're going to be a fringe tournament team um they're going to have nights where they all click and maybe they take down in indiana and they're going to have nights where they don't and maybe they lose to a team worse than them but uh, Maryland's going to be super exciting as they as they already have been. I think we know right now that they're you know they're a middle they're a middle of the road team. Expectations aren't too high, but they're a hell of a lot of fun, and obviously the future is pretty well set with those three freshmen.
0: This is true. Uh, who's been the freshman that has most impressed you now that Maryland has played ten games and we've seen? A, I mean that's a third of the season. <laughs> that is out of conference play, and a lot of the games are against bad teams, but who has been the most impressive freshman of the three? I mean, there are nights when you could have said it was Cowan, and I know you have said it was Cowan a number of nights, and other nights it's Herder, other nights it's Justin Jackson. Who is the most impressive holistically, for lack of a better term, uh, of the three?
1: Um, they've all been impressive for different reasons. I think Anthony coming over and taking over the point guard position so quickly and – you know, just commanding the floor as easy as he does. He's he's really vocal. I mean, guys respect him already. Not a tremendous scorer, but a really good passer and a really really good rebounder and a really good defender. I mean, Anthony's been been pretty impressive through and through. Um, Kevin hasn't shot the ball well yet, and I think that we've seen in short stretches what he can be. And he's one of those guys that's going to be on the radar in the next year or two as as a real you know one of the Big Ten you know best players. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll start to get it going. But I think Justin Jackson's probably been the most impressive of, of all three, just based on on skill. I mean, he's been incredible from three. His his arms—I I talk about his arms all the time because I've just never seen arms like that. I mean, he's got diamond stones of wingspan at three or four inches shorter. Um, passes well. He defends well. I mean, he does a lot of things well. He's gonna ha- he's gonna have NBA looks by the end of this year for sure whether or not he goes who knows but um you know he's a guy that i'm sure will enter the combine by the end of the year that's not something you want to hear
2: (laughs) right now
0: you want to hear him he's going to be in college park for more years than just one i thought we got finished with that anyway uh in case you were wondering oklahoma state was picked to be tied for seventh in the big 12 preseason poll that's take that for what you will and i also want to mention this because we're. I might joke about this a lot this season and we did two years ago and it's Ken Palm's ever favorable luck stat which I haven't quite figured out how they calculate it but Maryland right now I mean I can't remember what they were two years ago maybe second or something along that nature Maryland is seventh right now in terms of luck that's uh, pretty ridiculously high now they're a good Ken Palm team overall they're 61st in Ken Palm overall Uh, again should we be worried about the whole luck thing and how Maryland is lucky or we talked about this a lot before, how they sort of create their own luck and find ways to win in spite of horrible yeah. yeah. shit, turning the ball over I all mean, the time, fouls the, the,
1: the luck the luck sets all based off of, you know, one or two possession games. You know, a te- if a team doesn't dominantly win a game, it didn't really win. You know, when it comes between one and two possessions, it's just a matter of luck is you know, the, the theory behind it. And, um, you know, with Maryland, it's like they they pulled out close games against teams that were mostly worse than them because they shot the ball really freaking bad. And, you know, that seems to to keep happening. So, you know, it's an issue when you look at that stat and and if they can't correct their shooting woes because, I mean, they're going to get blown out by Indiana and and Michigan and and those types of teams if they shoot that, that poorly. But... Um, I don't think, I mean, I keep saying this, but I don't think it's going to last. I think we all can agree that Maryland has shooters that just keep missing open shots. So when they go down, I'm sure that, you know, the luck factor will be less of a factor.
0: Okay, and we should also ask this question, too, as, yeah, you see Matt's aversion to the luck stat is making him feel sick. This is, this is what is happening here, ladies and
1: gentlemen. Sorry, it's finals week. I don't really feel that great.
0: I don't think a lot of us feel that great right now, but it is that time right before the holiday season. And let, let's get a quick crash course on the Howard game, which is one that I completely missed for alternative reasons. Uh, Maryland was not playing well in the first half. They couldn't shoot, and then they started to shoot and finally pulled away. Uh, is that the kind of story we're going to be talking about a lot with this team, which is... Some nights, they're going to find that shot, and they could blow other teams out of the gym, and then other nights, they're going to be ice cold, and that's it for them. Because, again, Howard's very bad, and they hung around for a long time. I mean, when I first checked it, it was a four-point game, and then by the time I checked it again, Maryland was winning by a bunch. So is that – I mean, we talk about the shooting stuff. So I guess in conjunction with that, is Maryland a team – that has actually, that does have bad shooters? And I know I just asked you two questions at once,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: some people have posited this, and I want to get your opinion, because some people believe Maryland has bad shooters and therefore is a bad shooting team, or I tend to think it's Maryland has been unbelievably unlucky in terms of how their shooting luck has gone at the start of the season, particularly from three, but, you know, what can you do? So what do you think of those, of that theory, that Maryland actually doesn't have very many good shooters?
1: Um, yeah, I don't think it's true. I mean, it's been, it's been a very weird opening 10 games or, or whatever it is by now. Um, teams have been playing zone and trying to get Maryland to to jack up more threes. Um, and that's just something that I never could have imagined happening, you know, before the season started. Because, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to find out that Melo Trimble is a really good shooter. Um, Kevin Herter came in as the best shooter, one of the best shooters in his entire draft class um (laughs) jaron nickens is the guy off the bench who's supposed to be hitting threes and he's not deon wiley started off really slow and he's supposed to be another good three-point shooter i get that he's not as established but i'm gonna have to take turgeon's word and you know say that he's probably a good shooter jalen's been a good shooter in some stretches justin jackson has been the shooter for whatever reason and he wasn't even recruited for that i mean i think it's just been bad luck. Um, shots They've been open for shots. I know people are calling for Turgeon for a bad offense, but it's not really his fault. I mean, Maryland has had a number of wide-open shots that haven't gone in. I don't think that it's a, you know, a personnel problem. I think Maryland has plenty of really good shooters who have just opened up the season really, really bad from three-point. And I think it's going to be weird in 10 or so games when – we're like, remember when teams wanted to play zone against Maryland? Because I just, I don't see this continuing to happen.
0: Okay, well, I'll take your word <laughs> for it because you're you're the one who knows more than I do. A uh, couple more basketball questions before we let you go to heal your illness of yeah, caused sorry. by the Ken Palm stat. Sorry about uh, the. Commentary. What's the? I don't. It's it's fine. We're all failing that way at times. We've all had <laughs> podcast recordings where we were up to our our full capacities. Uh, What was a quick crash course on the Howard game? Is there anything big you took away
1: from that that you might not have expected or was different from previous games? Yeah, Jared and DeLon. I think that we've kind of ripped on both of them uh, rightfully so Uh, in the first couple of games. And and Jared was not, you know, he didn't shoot great, but a little bit better, and he was actually boxing out and, and, you know, showing effort defensively, which is huge. And I think Dion did a lot of the same. So Maryland getting them back on track is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And
0: the second
1: to last question
0: that I'm going to ask you before we let you go is Maryland plays St. Peter's, who, according to Wikipedia, is 3-3 three and three with a couple of games not taken into account yet, whatever, Jacksonville State, Mark Turgid's first coaching job, which is also 5-3 and three with a game or two not taken into account yet, and then Charlotte in Baltimore, which is... 4-2 and two with many games not taken into account yet. So that's just what Wikipedia says. I been, I'm too lazy to look up the full record. So all of these are games that Maryland is expected to win and win by some comfortable margin. Uh, what do you want to see from the team in those three games before conference play starts?
1: Obviously shots fall. Um, Demonte Dodd get healthy because he's very important to this team and he's going to miss those three games, but they're going to need him for conference play. And let's see if Checo can, can continue to be an inside presence. I think we saw it in, in two short bursts so far, so let's see if he can keep doing it. And
0: <coughs> one final question because, okay, this, this, I'm feeling really bad for you now, and I'm feeling also pretty guilty. Sorry, that I'm holding sorry. you. That's it's fine. Phone. It's fine. This is on me, not you. And uh, one football thought from you, and this is a rare one. Uh, what do you think of the ACC reunion game against Boston College in the Quick Lane Bowl? Oddly enough, it might be a better matchup for Maryland Conference reunion wise, than they got in the actual ACC Big Ten challenge.
1: Um, I think it's Maryland playing BC in Detroit,
0: <laughs> and that is supposed to mean what exactly?
1: Um, it's not exactly a game anybody's really amped for, but hey, listen, DJ Durkin got this team into into a bowl game, which is pretty freaking cool. And I don't know how many people would have expected that, you know, a year ago. I did, but n- no matter.
0: Well, we almost saw Maryland and Boston College on the basketball court, which probably would have gone much the same way that Maryland and Boston College on the football field is going to go, but that didn't mm. happen in Brooklyn. So please, Matt, get well. hopefully, <laughs> We'll see you around before you graduate or even slow, slightly after you graduate, but get well. Finish up. You're going to do fine. Everybody (laughs) goes through it. I went through it. We all go through it when we're trying to finish up this very stressful portion of our lives. And stay tuned
2: after the bump because Ryan will be here. He'll have his thoughts on basketball, and we'll go a little bit more into the bowl game and the weirdness of the Josh Kango situation. Stay tuned for that. Ryan is here now to add on what we talked about with Matt via basketball and talk a little bit more about football. Hello, Ryan. Hello. How you doing? We've all been a bit better, but we've got a lot to get to. So let's not cut any words, whatever the hell that means. I just made that <laughs> phrase up. Uh, we talked a lot with Matt about Maryland's propensity to play bizarrely close games and then find a way to win them in spite of everything. I joked about the Ken Palm stat, which is our favorite thing, and we did this a lot two years ago, and we're going to do it again because, well, this is what we do now on this show. Uh, do you have anything to add on why Maryland is so likely to play these bizarrely close games and then somehow find a way to win all of them?
3: Um, I mean, yeah, probably. I probably won't have much more to add than than what we saw Matt do. I mean, I think the. The one overarching theme is that Maryland probably is still better than almost all the teams that it's played, and, you know, obviously the margins have been really close, but generally the better team's still going to win, and I think uh, as, as you know, in regards to the luck stat, I, I've always been really fascinated by, by that whole thing, because that's almost in the area of, like, uh, you know, he calculates luck by, you know, what the stats say, like, who the stats say should have won versus who uh, actually should have won, and I think um, you know the explanations for that are always interesting. You know, you can you can argue that good coaching is an explanation, and it probably Maryland probably has been helped by Mark Turgeon making some good decisions. It was also certainly helped by Georgetown making a bunch of bad decisions when they played Georgetown. But I and think
2: fellow uh, Trimble nailing free throws at the end of every game.
3: Exactly. I think when you have a very good free throwing, throw shooting team, and you have to play down the stretch like that, that certainly always helps. But uh, yeah, I think it's you know a lot of it's been a young team figuring how the pieces fit together still, and that's part of the reason they have not beat these lesser teams by as much. Um, But yeah, you eventually that argument. We'll stop to hold will stop holding water. If if they keep doing this, then it's not gonna be, oh well, you know, they don't know how to fit the pieces together. Because at a certain point, you know, the team's just gonna be what it's gonna be. And we haven't reached that point yet, but you know, it it comes at least, you know, at some point in early conference play, I think.
2: Eventually. We're almost there. Hard to believe. Maryland's yeah. played just about a third of its season already. It doesn't feel like they have, but you know, such so is the way it goes when time moves by quickly. Uh the another question that I've seen bandied about on Twitter by certain people, and I asked Matt about this too, is Maryland a team that has actually bad shooters? Because we've talked a lot about at the start of this season how Maryland can't really shoot, and it's unfortunate that it seems that all these open looks aren't going, and then you have people saying, well, Mark Turgeon does a run offense, and you have all of this, this cascading discussion because Maryland can't make open shots. Now, ostensibly, Maryland has good shooters individually on their team, and it just seems like right now the looks aren't falling for them, or when they do fall, they fall in very brief spurts. So is Maryland actually a team with not very good shooters?
3: I mean, I think that's uh, its certainly a question you got to ask at this point. Um, I think they are a team with good shooters. I'm going to fall into the category of person who thinks that it's, I don't know what you, you want to call it, bad luck or whatever but the you know the shots clearly haven't been falling and that's been that's been one of the main things that's kept these lesser teams in games longer but you know when you see a guy like Kevin Herter it's like I mean he came in with the reputation as a very good shooter he seemed like a very good shooter a couple times when we saw him you know he doesn't take very many shots per game and then I think he also benefits from the fact that you know He's just a white dude who we all magically think is going to be good at shooting. But, uh, I mean, this team should be a good shooting team. I think you have, you know, Mella Trimble is shooting 30% from three. He's maybe not ever going to shoot as well as he did as a freshman, but you'd think that's probably going to go up. Justin Jackson's shooting 47%, which is good. And he he's done that without being otherworldly necessarily in every game. Then you have... I mean, if you're looking at the three-point shooting percentages, I mean Anthony Cowan shooting 22%. I feel like that'll go up. Herter also shooting 30%. I feel like that'll go up. Brantley 30%. I think a couple of the, like those guys that I've just mentioned haven't taken a large number of threes necessarily, and I think those are all going to go up. And then you have, you know, like for example, Jared Nickens is bringing down the percentage because he is six of 29 from three which is a stretch that I honestly don't think will continue even if he's uh, you know a bit of a, a bit of an outcast in this rotation this year um, I just, I have a hard time seeing him shoot 20%. Maybe he doesn't crack the rotation that often and only hits 30%, but 20 seems a bit low. And you have a guy like Dion Wiley who's looks good in stretches and you hope as he gets better from his knee injury that he starts making shots pretty much because as you said they have been getting a lot of good open shots and um i mean if you hear turgeon speak he says yeah we're a good are we're, like we're a good team just wait till we start hitting shots and part of that probably is just as a coach that's kind of what you have to say unless you plan on publicly displaying that you're reinventing your entire offense which no coach is going to do so i think it's just they have to start hitting open shots but uh in the meantime, I think if you're not hitting open shots, you have to do sort of what Maryland displayed in its last game, which was the shots weren't falling early. They were, they don't, they had taken like 14 threes to like four twos. So then they just were like, well, we're not shooting threes anymore. And then started getting buckets inside against a team that wasn't as big or as talented as they were. And then surprised they won the game by a lot.
2: Do you think that this is something that's a bit of an, because we also talked about zone defense. And teams going out in zone and daring Maryland to beat them from outside. And right now it's working because Maryland, with very little inside presence, which is one way you beat a zone, they aren't shooting very well, which is another way you beat, which is another way the zone beats you, is if the other team can't shoot. And right now Maryland is ostensibly not a good shooting team. So Matt Ellentuck seems to believe that this is going to change eventually, and Maryland will start hitting shots, and good stuff will start happening, and then teams won't be playing zone anymore. What do you what do you think? Because it all seems very intertwined right now, and the weaknesses for Maryland lack of inside presence on the offensive end, lack of shooting on the outside. It all seems very intertwined, but you think you tend to also think that it's going to change and it's going to get better for them. Why do you think that?
3: Um, I mean, I think I think that partly because this team has no other choice. Because uh, you know the inside presence has looked better recently with Michael Tchaikovsky looking just really good and way better than we've ever seen him before on offense um and and you know the stuff he's doing on offense is by no means rocket no means rocket science it's a lot you know it's not complicated post moves it's dunks layups alley-oops things like that but he's doing them well and he's I mean he's scoring in double digits which is what the team needs and he's 7-1 even when you get into Big Ten play, you're not going to have a lot of guys who can match up with that. You you will you will have some, but you know, it's not not every team's going to have someone who's going to be able to just go up against Checo every day. I think you'll part part of it is still just the big men getting healthy. You've had Checo, Dodd, Evan Bender, and LG Gill and Justin Jackson. You've had all of those five players for exactly two games this season. So the more that you get all of them healthy. I think that'll help create more of an inside presence, but this, like, and that that'll help beat the zone a little bit. But um, I mean, in the meantime, I think it's more of just a, you know, there's there's nothing you can do. But yeah, I guess if you're the team, you practice shooting more if that helps. But I mean, I think I think the shots are gonna fall, and I I, I personally don't know of a more complicated explanation than that.
2: So, what do you want to see from the Terps in their next? three games, uh, we might not have a chance to talk all that much about Charlotte, but that's something in the future, they play St. Peters and Jacksonville State next at home, these are games that Maryland should be winning by hefty margins, yes. but what do you want to see them do in these couple of games, besides obviously seeing some of their shots finally
3: fall? Um, I mean, you'd like to see Melo Trimble not have to play too many minutes, uh, I'd like to see Justin Jackson maybe get on track a little bit more. I think teams team's been paying a lot more attention to him lately because he's merged as the team's clear number two offensive option. And uh, so you'd like to see him get a little bit just – his shot's still been falling mostly from deep, but you'd like to see him maybe get things going a little bit more inside uh, because he's shooting better from three than he is from two. He's shooting 47% from three and 38 from two. Uh, I doubt that's going to continue, even if his three-point shooting decreases. I imagine his two-point percentage is going to go up soon. Um, One thing Turgeon talked about at a press conference that I actually did not attend was that how he wants Anthony Cowan to be more of a distributor. Um, And I think as Cowan gets a little bit more used to just playing in college, you're going to see him get a little bit more – get a little bit more comfortable making more making more of those like dashes down the court where you can find open guys uh but mostly again it's just it's just kind of depth you know you want to see Kevin Herter hitting a couple shots you want to see DeMonte doing what he does which is just playing some good defense and you know tipping things in at the rim uh Jalen Bramley looked pretty good what's that
2: when he's healthy of course right that's been another issue
3: yeah no, yeah, no, he's not going to be playing these next three games, I guess. That's more of a, just a season thing. Uh, you know, you want to see Jalen, LG Gill even have good games. And you want to see Dion and Jared kind of snap out of there a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot to get to see, if you want to see, in these next three games for Maryland against teams that they should be winning by comfortable margins against before you head in the conference play. And we'll see how Maryland's fortunes change there, but that's a little bit of a ways off about two weeks until conference play fully gets underway. Speaking of conference play, previous conference play, we can now talk about Maryland's bowl game, which is the one we kind of all expected Maryland was going to be in with a nice old ACC Or, or feared. Season. Or feared in your case. But I don't know. Maryland's in a bowl game. I don't think we should be complaining that much.
3: Yeah, no. Really, it yeah. is
2: the quick lane bowl against our old friend, Boston College. Uh, you're not surprised by what ended up happening with this matchup, are you?
3: Uh no, not at all. Um this was it was essentially gonna come down to one of three matches, matchup bowl matchups, but really probably just one of two. The pinstripe bowl was some people were predicting it, and so that was kind of like a, you know, a shot maybe they'd make the pinstripe bowl, but it was probably either gonna be the heart of Dallas Bowl or the Quick Lane Bowl. So here we are in Detroit. Uh, Maryland's playing BC. Should be Maryland. I thought the most interesting part of it is that. In s Plus, which is, if you're listening to this, you probably know what it is, but I'm it anyway, is the uh, statistical model by Bill Connolly that predicts and measures every possible thing about college football, essentially, and it ranks Maryland as the 87th best team in the nation, and BC is number 88. Wow! And it predicts a, it it's saying this game is going to be a toss-up. It gives each team a 50% win probability, but does give Maryland a projected margin of 0.1 points. Jesus. So, He's hey. it's
2: really bites.
3: It's, uh, if you're, you know, close game. It should be a close game. Maryland's which
2: a one-point not played – Maryland's though. played
3: like one close game this entire season. This is two, true. Two. You see two. That's you're, right. That, you're right. That was it.
2: And they won both of them. And they won their one and one Yeah. I, almost, I like to think that they beat Indiana, but they didn't. Uh, Maryland is, I think, a one-point dog in Vegas, which tells you that Vegas has no clue who's going to win this game either.
3: Yeah, some are saying one, some are saying two. Either way, that's thats a wash.
2: It's uh, It's not even – it's its going to be one of those games. Mm-hmm. When you have 40-something bowl games, you get games like this. But it does mean Maryland gets to play in a bowl game, which is quite nice. Yes. And we're going to do, I think, a more full-on preview of it next week. But – you know, initially, what, what do you think of this matchup? And I also want to get into this question of, does Maryland actually need to win this game? Which is a question that, you know, we can ask a lot. They have been to their last two bowl games a couple seasons ago, lost one fairly close. The other was a blowout. You know, so first of all, what do you think of this matchup on paper, not by s Plus, which gives you an idea? And yeah. then secondly... Let's expand on the idea that does Maryland actually have to win this game?
3: Sure, sure. So I think uh, you know, from a not on the field necessarily standpoint, but from a just like, uh, like you know, there's probably this this won't be an exciting game in terms of the football that is being played. It may be an exciting game because the margin will never be very big, I imagine. Between the two teams, but I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is Boston College's defense versus Maryland's offense. So by SP, Boston College has the twenty-first best offense in the country and the one hundred and twenty-fifth or fourth worst. All right, no, damn it, I mixed that up. Yeah, the the twenty first best say. defense, twenty-first best defense, and the fourth worst offense in the entire country. Maryland is is a lot more balanced as 81st on offense and 82nd on defense. But my biggest matchup that I will be watching and writing about is Maryland's rushing attack against BC's run defense because BC's run defense, according to S&P, is the sixth best in the country, which is real good. Their passing defense is 40th, and that still poses a lot of, trouble for maryland's passing offense but the one the big light at the end of the tunnel for maryland fans is that bc is 124th their their defense is in allowing big run plays as in they they allow a lot of big run plays at least at least you know compared to the amount of run plays they allow i don't know but that that is essentially if maryland's going to beat bc they have to Overcome some big odds on the ground, and they definitely have to hit some big plays, which has been true of Maryland. If if Maryland wants to win, they have to hit big run plays, and in that sense, this game's going to be no different than any other one. Um, you know, other so than that, I think it's going
2: to be like thirteen to ten.
3: I that that would not surprise me. Uh, it makes I,
2: sense that that's this is a game played on two thirty in the afternoon, the day after Christmas. Yes, uh, between two teams that are six and six.
3: Yes, I'm all uh, the
2: ball money people.
3: I am I'm pleased that my parents are understanding enough to let me watch this game. Oh,
2: uh, yeah, that that'll be even better.
3: But um yeah, I think it's uh it'll be interesting to see how Maryland's defense plays against an offense that is just as inefficient as Boston College's is.
2: Have they played uh, an offense that bad? I mean, I guess they played Rutgers, which is equal I where's Rutgers all yeah, I mean, that was
3: plus? a that that was a not not very fun game to watch either, and I think. Um, but this is essentially, you know, BC is still, you know, say you include the bowl game as conference play. This is, I mean, it's what Purdue, Rutgers, BC, Michigan State. Those are all. I mean, BC's not much better than any of those teams that Maryland's beat. That's true. So
2: let's answer. Let's before I we team? get into yeah,
3: right. yeah, I, I know. Before we get
2: into one more topic, uh, I want to ask you this question, and something we'll definitely expand upon next week. Does Maryland actually have to win this game? Because they, according to 24-7 right now, still have the third best recruiting class in the Big Ten, despite going 6-6. Six six. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of optimism for the future, and this is one of those mediocre middling bowl games that, you know, is what it is, regardless. And the big question is, do they have to win it? And... I just – I don't know whether these kind of bowl games matter or whether bowl games on the whole matters other than giving you good vibes to the season. Obviously, Maryland didn't feel good getting the stuffing kicked out of them by Stanford a couple of years ago, but does beating Boston College in this game do anything ostensibly for the program other than they can add a trophy to the trophy case and say, hey, we did this in a not very good year?
3: Um. Yeah, I mean, like, it's always, you know, it's always a good thing, right? You know, winning a ball is a good thing, especially in your first season, all that good stuff. Um, I think in in recruiting, it shouldn't matter a whole lot. Uh, after Maryland got the crap kicked out of them by Stanford, they still went out and got a verbal commitment from some really good recruits. And had they not fired Randy Etzel, it stands to reason those recruits probably would have stayed. Um, we, you know, we don't need to go into that whole situation again. But, uh I think um, you know Maryland's chasing a couple big guys down the stretch with uh, Dematha running back Anthony McFarland, and you know trying to flip Calvin Ashley, who's committed to to Auburn, goes to St. John's, Um, and I think you know in that sense, you know any small thing that could go right for the program is good because. Those you know, those players are gonna be seeing Miami and Auburn and these other schools playing in these bigger bowl games against bigger teams, maybe winning, maybe not.
2: Auburn's but in the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma. Well actually that shows you how bad the SEC was this year, but regardless.
3: Right. Yes, it does. Uh, and yeah, i Aub- Auburn's gonna lose to Oklahoma, right? That's that's a Yeah,
2: that's
3: true. That's a loss. Um, but uh, you know, then you know, seeing seeing Maryland lose to Boston College and the quick lane bowl maybe would, you know, that certainly doesn't, wouldn't, those recruits wouldn't be pumped about that, but it's not necessarily about that. And I think that's something the coaches know. And I think that's something the recruits know, even, even if it maybe it might not hit home until it happens. Like if you're a recruit and you say, you, you say you commit to Maryland before the season, say like your Josh can't do, you commit to Maryland before the season and you know, you know, best case Maryland's going like, Six and six. You, you, you probably know that. And, you know, it's all about the future and things like that. But then the reality might hit when they're losing, you know, these Michigan, Ohio State by just so much. The reality might hit that, like, well, I could just go play for that team that's winning that game. And if you're a recruit like that, even, you know, not particularly that team. But um, that, that reality might hit and that might be a bit of a selling point that other coaches could – Used to negatively recruit against Maryland, but uh, I think in the end it wouldn't it wouldn't play it wouldn't be a big factor even if they lost. If they lost and did something humiliating, then maybe. But um, in the end, I think it's just uh, it's just going to be more about you know relationships and and the future and mm-hmm. you know that losing to Boston College in the Quick Lane Bowl could impact your vision of Maryland's future, and that is fine. But uh, it also also might not.
2: Not like losing to Rutgers. Right, exactly. Yes. So let's – you mentioned Josh Cain, so I want to mention this situation as our last thing before we close out the show. Uh, This situation is getting weirder and weirder, and a lot of it's playing out in the public eye. And this happens with big-time recruits sometimes. And Maryland being involved is obviously a good thing. But his mother is apparently not pleased that Josh has decided that he doesn't want to go to Maryland anymore. Uh, this happens sometimes with recruits. There's some famous stories of – there's an Alabama defensive back. I can't remember who it was. His mother wanted him to go to LSU, and then he flipped and went to Alabama or something like that. This happens all the time, but it's happening with Maryland. So what's your observation on this situation?
3: Um, It's – yeah, it's interesting, especially for a guy like me who – you know i've followed recruiting as much as possible over the last year year and a half but so you know new to this whole thing and it's 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 definitely awkward and it seems like something that like we, it's just awkward seeing you know a mom say this about her son to, to the media rather than just like it, it seems awkward to be involved essentially what i'm saying but um it it's sort of it, sorta, it you know, it's, it's a reminder that it's, this is like a tough process on everyone in a family. And I think, you know, both, both the parents, I'm sure just, they, you know, they want what's best for their son and one, and the mom is, she really likes Maryland and really liked the coaches. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say too much about it because obviously I don't know everything that's going on or maybe even that much that's going on. And it's, not my family, <laughs> uh, so it's uh, you
2: can imagine though. I mean, if you yes. we were picking college, obviously, it's not on that much of a higher scale, on that high of a scale, to be honest. But there was, we had all talks like this about where kids were going to school if you were leaving home to go a far distance as Kendo could go,
3: yeah, uh, and and especially, happens. yeah, and especially, you know, for a lot of us, it might be, well you know, no matter where you go, it might, it might be fine. But when you're, when you're talking about football with an NFL prospect, like Kendo Cavera will be, it does matter so much whether you, if, if you choose to go to a lower program like Maryland, that does just, that, that could just have such an impact on your entire life. And that, you know, that's, I'm sure that's something that's hard to, uh hard to deal with, whether you're the kid, the parent, the uncle, the mm-hmm. high school coach, anybody.
2: Yeah, it, it is interesting. And Maryland does not get as many pro prospects as some of the other schools Kendo might be considering. But this is how it goes. Um, there's a chance we would have talked about Will Likely and his potential pro prospects because Bell Kiper talked about that recently on a conference call. But we don't have time to do that. So next week, uh, Ryan, you'll be back. We'll talk about some more basketball things. We'll really preview the quick Lane Bowl in more depth. And maybe we'll get into that Will Likely story because it is sad that his college career had to end the way it did, and hopefully he does get drafted, and we can talk more about those well, Kuyper Sounds like a plan for next week, right?
3: Sure, sounds good.
2: Good stuff. Uh, enjoy the basketball games coming up. Enjoy the Heisman ceremony on uh, tomorrow night, actually, because we're going to release this on Friday. Quickly, who do you think wins?
3: Oh, uh, you know, it should be Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think
2: I- it should be... He was the most impressive, but I mean, no Heisman has, has uh, winner has lost his last two games since Tim Brown in 1987, uh, and there's not anybody else that could theoretically win it. You know, Jabril Peppers isn't Charles Woodson. Let's say that.
3: Yes. That, can, uh, that's why, that's, that's it's too idea. bad we didn't have Alex to come on the podcast and oh, talk about. But I did. Nuts I did this to. Uh, I listened to. Uh, Alex was co-hosting uh, SB Nation's. Uh, podcasting played nobody and I listened to that the other day give that a listen They talk about the quick lane bowl, but he gives his full argument on why Jabril Peppers shouldn't be a Heisman candidate and I think it's pretty accurate but uh yeah it's I mean I think the the good thing is I, I, I think everyone is like so quick to defend Lamar Jackson against these people who say he let up at the end of the season that I think I think he he's definitely safe although that could just be my my Twitter echo chamber talking.
2: Potentially. I mean, there's so many. You know, there's five candidates there. I mean, who else could theoretically win it? It's just it, – nobody else jumps out at you. But anyway, topic for another day. Enjoy the Heisman ceremony. Enjoy the Catholics versus convicts film too. Uh, we will be back with you next week to talk more about the Quickland Bowl and other basketball-related things. Now. But of course, go Derns.